Grace and peace to you from God our Father and our Lord and Saviour Jesus Christ. Amen. This morning we're going to uh, briefly connect the Testaments from Joshua to Jesus. We're going to see uh, how God created a spiritual revival through a mass circumcision which is uh, kind of maybe a bit unexpected and we're going to see how this renewal shielded and protected the people of God from uh, surrounding nations and how the Lord revives and shields us as uh, people and sheep of his pasture here in Cairns. So as we do that, let's, let's pray. Father, we ask as we gather this morning as your sons and daughters that you would fill us with your spirit, that you would guide us in your truth and revive our hearts. We pray that by your power, that you would bring about the renewal and the refreshment and the regeneration that comes only through the Holy Spirit, that we might celebrate the coming of your kingdom to us here in Cairns and live in joyful anticipation of the great things that are yet to come in your name. And so we pray in and through our crucified, risen and reigning Saviour who is Jesus Christ. Amen. So first of all, what we're going to do is connect the Testaments because I think it's actually really helpful for us to see the parallels and the connections that are here between Joshua and Jesus uh, as we, as we uh, go through this and it's just helpful for us anyway to be thinking and seeing the connections between the Old and New Testament as we go. So Joshua stands as Old Testament scripture and, and he really this book really shows God's faithfulness that he always comes good on his promises, which is what I was trying to say to the kids. He always comes good on his promises and in his grace towards his people. He always does that. And also the events in Joshua, it's not just a parallel or a prefiguring or something like that. This is actually historical fact. This actually historically happened as God led the people into the promised land and out of the wilderness. And God was truly, really present to bless and protect them as they did so. So what you're hearing today is the historical mighty acts of God in the Old Testament, powerfully, powerfully relevant to our walk of faith as as a contemporary Christian church here in Cairns. It really is. Now there's a strong connection though, there's a very strong connection with the big picture of the New Testament that's a wonderful blessing for us to recognise and see today and that is the connection between Joshua and Jesus Christ. And we pray in the name of Jesus, don't we? You know what Jesus' kind of Hebrew name is? Yeshua, Yeshua. And the Hebrew name for Joshua, well it is a Hebrew name but pronounced in in the Hebraic way, Yeshua, Yoshua. It's the same name and it means that um, that name Yeshua, Yoshua means Yahweh saves, God saves, okay? That's what it is. And so what you've got in Joshua today as you look at him and hear what he's doing, there is a prefiguring, a prefiguring of Jesus' ministry and the coming of the kingdom of God as we hear Joshua leading the people of Israel into the promised land. Very important. In Joshua, enemies are conquered and defeated and pushed back as Joshua leads the people into the land to take possession of it in accordance with God's covenant with Abraham, which you heard about. In Jesus' ministry... He enters the land with his disciples but he enters in a different way. He he enters and he's conquering evil spirits. He's conquering sin and death and the devil Uh, and he calls people to repent and believe the good news and enter into his rest. 
And that rest that Jesus offers in the New Testament isn't, isn't a geographical pinpoint on the map. It's not the land of Canaan. It's actually a person in himself that you find rest for your souls in Jesus Christ. So Joshua goes in and uh, with the commander of the Lord's army, he takes the land of Canaan, moves in, the enemies are defeated and conquered and moved out. And can you see the parallel as Jesus and his disciples move in and conquers the greatest enemy and the greater enemy of sin, death and the devil and evil spirits scatter as Jesus moves into the land and the kingdom of God breaks in to human history in a whole new way. So Yeshua, Jesus, uh, is the fulfilment, or if you like, or a new and a better Joshua or Joshua. Do you see the parallels? Can you see the connection between the promised land in the land of Canaan and the coming of the kingdom of God and not finding rest in so much in a ge- geographical pinpoint in a map but in a person who is Jesus Christ? Wonderful parallels um, and it's important to think these things through and I, I pray that maybe you'll have quiet time this week, maybe you open your Bibles, open up, have a look at the book of Joshua, have a look, have a read through it. It is amazing and think about how this prefigures what is to come and what you are living in as people of the Kingdom of God. What's really happening in this mass circumcision that uh, takes place um, in, on the fringes of the Promised Land. They, the Israelites, they enter this land, they're coming out of the old into the new, they're coming out of years wandering in the wilderness with Moses and uh, a new time of resting in the Lord has come for them and as you open Joshua chapter 5 and you heard Lauren read it, verse 2, it seems like there's a terribly frightening command from the Lord as this new time begins that will make men everywhere cross their legs says, make flint knives and circumcise the Israelites again. What does it mean to circumcise a man again, a second time? Paul, does that sound a bit frightening? Yes. No need to cross your legs, gentlemen. It's okay. It's not what you might think. They actually hadn't, the Israelites, they hadn't practised circumcision. Well, all the whole time that they were in the wilderness, they actually weren't doing that. It was a sign for them, but they weren't doing it. And so, what we've got... We've got hundreds of thousands of men who had not received that sign of God's covenant, uh, that covenant promise to Abraham. They hadn't received it when they entered into the promised land. Now, circumcision is signified, as you know, by the cutting off of the flesh. But do you know what it's really about? Do you know what circumcision actually means beyond actually cutting off some flesh? Do you know what that covenant was about? Yeah, okay, so cut off separate to be a special people. Uh, That's true. It also, it really goes back to uh, one word and that is righteousness. Righteousness is at the core of circumcision. It's about faith that trusts in the Lord as Abraham did and his, his faith was credited to him as righteousness. It actually happened in Genesis chapter 15 and then two chapters later in Genesis 17, God institutes... Uh, this covenant and he says to, uh, says to Abraham, walk before me and be blameless. It all goes back to faith credited as righteousness uh, and it's faith that trusts in the Lord and it's more than just an outward sign or cutting off flesh because in the Old Testament in Jeremiah and in Deuteronomy, uh, the call from God is to circumcise what? Maybe not what you're thinking. <laughs> circumcise your hearts. 
circumcise your hearts. And in the book of Colossians in the New Testament, it says that God has circumcised your hearts with a new circumcision. So it's actually there's a fulfilment and a promise happening there. Deuteronomy says, Moreover, the Lord your God will circumcise your heart. He will do it. He will circumcise your heart and the heart of your descendants so that you will love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul in order that you may live. That is more than just an outward sign that identifies you as a covenant people. It's got to do with what's inside. It's got to do with your heart. It's got to do with faith. It's got to do with righteousness. And that's why um, Jacob's uh, correct because the rejecting of the cutting off that took place in, uh, in circumcision, if you rejected that, you are actually cut off from the people. But not because you didn't just cut off some flesh. It was actually about your heart. It's because you didn't believe the Lord. You didn't trust. You didn't have faith in the Lord. You rejected him. And so you cut yourself off from the Lord and his covenant and his people. So it's about faith in God being declared righteous in his sight. It's about grace. And so you see there's so many people come for this massive big ceremony today and uh, the Lego people on the the site where they've got that, this is one of the pictures and then the, the, the next picture that comes along is about they've got all these Lego figurines lined up of the Israelites with their faces with really distraught expressions on them as they come up and, and the Joshua figurine has got the flint knife and an angry face and uh, it would be pretty scary, wouldn't it? So the Lego doesn't depict it very well. What actually is happening, there's, there's a weight and a gravity to what's happening here. And so God effectively says to his people, I want you to stop. I want you to stop. I want you to pause. I want you to just... Just see the gravity of what I'm doing here. Take stock of where you've just come from, out of the wilderness. Take stock of your ancestors that dropped dead and fell in the wilderness because of their hardness of heart, because they rejected me. They cut themselves off from me and they will not enter into my rest, into the promised land. But I'm bringing you in. I'm bringing you, their children, in. So take stock. See the gravity of what I'm doing here. This is about grace and my promises to you. And imagine you're an Israelite, if that's possible. Imagine you're an Israelite after 38 years in the wilderness. That's a very long camping trip. It's a very long camping trip. You've been pitching your tent all that time. You've been eating manna and you're now about to receive these promises. And I think, I reckon I'd be getting a bit antsy. I'd be wanting to get in there and, and maybe build a house or plant some crops, raise some animals. You know, I've been eating manna for 38 years. I want some meat. I want, some, uh, I want to celebrate Passover. I want to eat the produce of the land, the food, you know, massive big feast. It's going to be exciting. Retirement, security, a bit of safety, all these promises of God and maybe, yeah, God too, huh? God is saying to this generation and to each one of us, to each one of us, we need to recognise the spiritual realities that are going on in our lives. You guys need to pause, take stock of what I'm doing, all the, all the stuff going on around you, all the noise needs to stop and see what I'm actually doing. And so he gives them pause And 700,000, or thereabouts, 700,000 men were circumcised that day. And that's why when Lauren said, uh, 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 Gibeath Horaloth, 
That's actually Hebrew for mountain of or hill of foreskins. He circumcised 700,000 people. You're going to get a bit of a mound. Sorry if that's a bit gross, but it's a reality. And those men are in need of a bit of space, a bit of healing and a bit of quiet. You don't want a Canaanite army coming storming in on you after that's just happened to you. And we hear about Shechem. Uh, you, might, you might have heard about Shechem in the, in the Old Testament. Uh, who's, there's a, as they're travelling, there's a group, a uh, community that actually uh, want to take his sister and uh, Shechem and his brothers say to this group of men, uh, it would be a disgrace for us to do that because you're not circumcised and so we want you to come out and you be circumcised and then we will actually we'll dwell with you and you can have the sister and that will be all good. And the men say, this sounds like a pretty good deal, okay? And they come out and they're circumcised and uh, then uh, as they're healing, Shechem and his brothers go in and slay them all because of what they'd done uh, was actually a disgrace. So you actually don't want to be, have an army coming in while you're trying to heal from that kind of thing. But what God did is he created this space for them and he protected them by melting the hearts. I love that term. He melted the hearts of the kings of the Canaanites so they wouldn't come and attack them. What you're seeing today is God moving powerfully to protect the Israelites here so that nothing will get in the way of them receiving his gracious promise of rest in the land. He does the same for you. He protects you. You You can't even see all the things that he's at work doing, protecting you and shielding you from the things going on in your life that you might receive his glorious and gracious promises. And so he does, he does that. He creates space to be with his children for this great time of spiritual refreshment, this time of reconnecting with God in meaningful ways too that actually express their devotion and their response to his grace and he also protects them and shields them from ridicule. Have you ever been abused or ridiculed for your faith in Jesus? Have you ever copped a bit of flack because you're a Christian? Remember Janelle telling me um, a story. Next slide. Janelle told me a story about when she was growing up in Hamilton, Victoria and she went to the tiny little school, the little Lutheran school, Good Shepherd College and uh, in there there was a really big Catholic school called Monovay and... Uh, as they would go, the Monovay kids would call the, the, the Lutheran kids boxheads. Why do you call them boxheads? I don't know. I don't think Janelle understands why they called them that either to this very day, but they, got, they called them names. So the kids from this little Lutheran school, they all got teased by the Catholics called boxheads. But there are worse things. There's worse ridicule, isn't there? There's worse things than that. Sometimes in families there are Christians, and you may be one of them, that actually lives in constant suffering and taunting and even abuse, even abuse from their own flesh and blood on account of Jesus Christ. There are people who face ridicule from their friends because they want to honour God with their body or they say no to excessive behaviour because they know that self-control is a fruit of the Holy Spirit and so they may be isolated from their friends. They may be taunted, teased, called a holy Joe, taunted and mocked for the name of Jesus because they want to stand up and actually say, I, I believe in Jesus Christ, the Son of the living God. He's redeemed me. I want to honour God with my body. I want to honour God with my life. 
on a walk with him and they get isolated for that. You know there are Christians who live in shame because they've made mistakes which people won't let them forget and that they throw it in their face over and over and over and over again. But I think you also know that as a member of the body of Christ, it's not just about you. It's also about us and we as people who are united in the Holy Spirit as God's children. There is a we factor. So when one suffers, we all suffer. So when the church, which is the body of Christ, is said to be a crutch, so weak people can stick their heads in the sand, that's spoken out against you as a member of the body of Christ. When the church is said to be full of hypocrites, pedophiles, abusers, that accusation and condemnation affects you as a part of God's family. When Satan works to destabilise the body of Christ and targets people in the church, they are your Christian brothers and sisters. So if one part of the body is weighed down under the accusations and lies of the enemy, then we all suffer together in that. And hopefully we all pull together for the support that we have and find and discover in the unity of the Holy Spirit. And the people in Joshua 5, they identify with this so closely because these people are so very aware that the Egyptians, they saw the Lord leading them out of Egypt so that they might die in the wilderness and that the Lord's promises would become null and void and because they weren't being circumcised, that was a disgrace to them and all those who knew that, that that was a sign of God's covenant between God and his chosen people would mock them for it. And it's like someone walking up to you and saying, you know God hates you, he hates you and he's going to lead you into the desert so he can kill you. Or you think you're really going to find security and rest in your God, you're kidding yourself. Or beyond that, you don't even have the sign of his covenant. You're not even part of his promise of grace. You imagine hearing those words and you know where those words come from. Not flesh and blood but rulers and authorities and principalities. Then God said to Joshua, Today I have rolled away the reproach of Egypt from upon you. So the name of that place is called Gilgal to this day. It was a revival of faith that took place and it crushed the extent of every outside condemnation or accusation And don't think of it as in that Lego picture. 700,000 hearts were revived and refreshed and would have considered it an honour and a privilege to cut off the flesh in circumcision and so be marked permanently by the promises of God's grace. It wasn't something that they did grudgingly. That's actually a privilege and an honour to be marked with the sign of God's promise because it comes out of their heart. All condemnation, all accusation, null and void, because the Lord came through for his people, they've entered their land, they've received a refreshing and reviving of the heart to live by faith. There's one more thing for us to see today. It flows out of the name of the place that they were circumcised. I don't know if you've heard this before. That place was Gilgal. And uh, Gilgal means to roll away. It's a Hebrew word, roll away. As in to roll away reproach, roll away accusation. And Gilgal is a very close relative of another word in the New Testament. It's actually a place. Put it up on the screen. 
Golgotha. Gilgal and Golgotha come from the same root, something to be round. Roll away, place of the skull, round. Very close relatives. Now whether you're here today and you're clinging to the word of your Lord or you're here and in your heart you feel a bit uncertain, a bit unsure of what's being said, that's okay. What happened at Golgotha is all about the fulfilment of every old covenant promise including circumcision for you and for us as a community of faith together, walking together. It was at Golgotha where Jesus Christ gilgaled, rolled away, cancelled, forgave all the charges that were built up against us for violating God's covenant laws, rolled it away. He nailed the accusations that accrued and built up against us to the cross at Golgotha, was rolled away. But what about, as you sit here, what about the contempt? What about the mockery? What about the ridicule we face now as Christians from our family, from our friends, from the community, from the media, from the spiritual realm? Romans 15 declares, hear this please, that every word and act of condemnation or accusation that is ever levelled at you as a person in Christ was carried in Jesus Christ and on his body. United to him, when anyone levels an accusation to you, whether that's of the devil or it comes out of a human mouth, hear this, it doesn't fall on you. Jesus bears that in his body. So if anyone screams out condemnation of you, if anyone gives you flack for being a Christian, that falls on Jesus Christ, not on you. You don't have to wear that. Okay? Not only has Jesus taken away every reproach in his own body for you through his resurrection and his ascension, what has happened to the hearts of your enemies? And don't think about flesh and blood. Think of the spiritual realm, spiritual forces of darkness. What has happened but that their hearts have been melted, their venom has been melted, their authority and their power over you has been melted away. Not because of you, but because of the name of Jesus Christ. Every knee shall bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. Confess his lordship to the glory of God the Father. At Golgotha, God's faithfulness to his promise has gained entrance for you into the promised land of rest which is in Jesus Christ. There is rebirth, there is revival, there is the true circumcision of your heart. And so just as the Lord provided space and pause for those Israelites, that's what you've received today. That's what you're receiving right now is space in his sanctuary, in his safe place where the Holy Spirit is ministering to your heart. He's present here to minister to you, to give you that pause, to give you that time and to call you to faith and trust in his promise which has been sealed and guaranteed by his holy and precious blood, a new covenant in Jesus Christ. May you trust in him. May you look to him. May you believe in him who has saved you from sin, death and the devil and every accusation that you ever hear in your head. 
may it be cleared in Christ Jesus. Amen. Let's pray. Gracious Heavenly Father, we thank you for your wonderful promises to us. We thank you that you have melted, obliterated the enemy and that we, by faith in you, live in the victory of your resurrection and ascension and your current reign at the right hand of the Father. We thank you that every accusation that ever falls or comes our way actually falls in you, on you. We thank you that you are our strength, our shield, our portion, our deliverer. And so we commend and throw ourselves into your loving hands of mercy and pray that you would watch over us this day and forevermore. Amen. Friends, may the peace of God, which surpasses all human understanding, guard, guard your hearts and keep them safe in Christ Jesus, our Lord and our Saviour. Amen.